0: So, for a message this morning, if you would turn your open your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 6, there's a I don't know how far we're going to get in this chapter this morning. There is so much, there is so much material here that is open. So much material that can be done. I am not an artist here, but I'm going to draw something. Should have my son come up here. He can draw better than I can. That's, uh, that's supposed to be a scale. you know how you have those balancing scales there and you can put the weight on one side and on the other. and this is where it's going to get interesting. Uh, we're just going to do the <laughs> Anyway, so we got a, we'll put a collar on them here and a collar on them there and we'll come across like that, put two eyes and nose on them and there we go. Now those are supposed to be, uh, uh, That's those are oxen there, that's a yoke of oxen. So if you laugh, you can come up here and draw better. Here's the, I'll leave it right there. Um, so the, the the one is a scales, and one is we call them a yoke of oxen. Now, when we say that 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 it's a yoke of oxen, that typically means there's two. Now there can be more than that. You can have you can you can connect more of them together. You know, Elisha. You remember when uh, Elijah found Elisha working in his field? He had. I think he had 12 yoke of oxen he had a big tractor but he had 12 12 of them connected together so let's read in 1st Timothy 6 we're going to read probably the whole chapter to start with now this is Paul and he's talking to Timothy and um, I thought it was interesting that there's a little bit of varied opinions but my Bible says that this letter, the first chapter of, of uh, Timothy, the first book of, the book of 1 Timothy, let's say it that way, was written from Laodicea. Now there's, there's some difference of thought there, but it says written from Laodicea. And I thought that was interesting because we think of Laodicea, most of the time when we think of Laodicea, it's in the context of, Revelation, when Jesus was talking to the church at Laodicea. So I'm just going to put that thought out there. But let's read 1 Timothy 6. It says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy strife Railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow After righteousness. After godliness. After faith. After love. Follow after patience. Follow after meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. And hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God. Who quickeneth all things. And before... I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show or declare who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. And then he, at the end of his letter, he writes, P.S. So Timothy, this is an extra here. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good that the rich ones do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, Grace be with thee. Amen. And then it just says the first to Timothy was written from Laodicea, which is the chiefest city of Phrygia. It was a Roman colony, I guess. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy as some feel from Laodicea. Do you think Paul's Paul's observations and some of his... In- his sentences and the, what he was thinking about was, inter, was impacted by what he saw in Laodicea. Laodicea was a, was a very rich place. It was a place that, yeah, they had a lot of things happening. It, was, it wasn't in the sticks. It was, they had a lot of things going on there. And, and Paul visited there. And we can read about Laodicea in Revelations three verses fourteen through nineteen. We won't read that right now, <clears throat> but Paul opens this chapter, which is just a continuation. Chapters were 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 added. Chapters and verses were added to the scriptures later on. But it breaks in here. It says, "Let as many servants as are under the yoke." count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved. The masters are partakers of the benefit, the same benefit. These things, Timothy, teach and exhort. So we're talking about servants under a yoke, and I'd like to think, you know, what is a yoke? And in your mind, what do you think of when you think of a yoke? Does it something that makes you jump up and down for joy because of a yoke? And is the and if it doesn't, is does that mean that the yoke is bad? Well, in the in in Strong's, it talks about a yoke as a connecting coupling. It's a beam or tether or a harness, or it can be a harness. But basically, that word is translated, it's used, the Greek word is used six times in the New Testament that I could find, and... um, and five of those times it's translated as yoke. And one of those times it's translated as a pair of balances. And that's in Revelation 6, 5. It says, when he had opened the seal, the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. OK, that pair of balances is the same word as yoke in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where it says, come unto me, all ye that are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my pair of balances, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, a yoke is something that is, that's a connecting, that connects. So, on these oxen here, we have two oxen. We have two cows, or whatever they are, whatever an ox is. They have, they're, they're when you want to tie them together and have them work, you put a, you connect the two together, and then you can double the power or more than double it, probably, because it's, it's concentrated. But that yoke connects the two. On these pair of balances here, what happens if one pair of balance doesn't want to be connected to the other one? Is it an accurate balance anymore? If we would just break it right here and break it right there, what happens then? and you put, you want to sell 50 pounds of potatoes and you put a 50 pound weight over here and it drops all the way down. So if we, if it wants to be all by itself, do we put 50 pounds over here and if it drops all the way down it's equal? Is that how it works? No, it has to be connected for it to work. has to be, the, the pair of balances is connected and that's, I think it's the connection to each other that makes the makes it the same word but yoke is, is simply the the connection or the coupling now there's different forms that it's used in scripture in Matthew 11 verse 28 it says take my yoke upon you that's that gives the thought of a voluntary coupling i will submit myself i will connect myself i will submit myself to christ we could say then in this pass or in this setting that a yoke could be symbolized as authority now there's different forms of yokes you have or different forms of authority there's different forms of things but we're just, for the, for the context that we're talking about here, we're going to call a yoke authority. Now, when we take authority, when we take Christ's authority upon us, take my yoke upon you, take my authority, that he's basically saying, submit yourselves to me. Let me be your Lord. And the term Lord is not just a... Um, A name only. Well, the ones that say Lord, Lord, and don't do anything about to them, it's just a name only. But the reward, there's no reward either. But uh, when we say Lord, it means master. It means something, an authority over us. Take my yoke upon you. Now, there's another yoke in scripture that it talks about as well, and it's called the yoke of bondage. That's also an authority. Have you ever known someone who had an addiction problem? I'm sure we all do. An addiction, an addiction is a form of authority, whether we want it to be or not. Now, that would be called a yoke of bondage. It's con- We're connected to it, and we can't break it, although we need to. But when we take the yoke of Christ, take my yoke upon you, up, take... Yeah, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. It means lay down your life, lay down your will, but do it voluntarily, but still take it on you because my yoke is easier. My yoke has has a purpose and it's better than the yoke of bondage over here. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when we take that, that yoke, when we take Christ's yoke upon us, we submit to his authority. Now, there's other authority that we'll find in our life as well. And it, and anybody who, well, anybody who has been under authority should never forget what it feels like. Because at some point those that are under authority will have some authority. And as a teenager, I worked for somebody who I thought didn't... And this was very childish, but I I thought they used their authority in a terrible way because they, this particular person seemed to forget when it was lunchtime. And when you're 16 years old and you forget when it's lunchtime, that's that's... That's terrible. <laughs> really terrible. But he could get it might go 2 hours and he oh all of a sudden oh yeah 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 we need to get lunch around so or we need to take off for lunch. But it wasn't 2 hours, but it seemed like 2 hours when you're when you're young. Now people that have that are under authority well, I, I wanted to be the boss, so I, and I thought if I was ever, if I ever was in that position, I wouldn't forget. But I do. I, I forget sometimes when it's lunchtime. But we have all of us have authority over us. Nobody is out from under it. When Paul says, servants who are under the yoke, servants under the yoke, he's talking to the people, he's talking to people who have taken Christ's yoke on them. They've voluntarily taken Christ's yoke on them, but they have another, they have other authority over them. Now for us, it could be, we could say it's anyone under authority. But it could be a teenager to a parent. You know, sometimes teenagers think that their authority just doesn't get it. And I know what that's like. I really remember what it's like to have a parent who just didn't quite get it. That didn't mean that the parent was not smart. It just meant the teenager... But in that case, the teenager thought he knew more than he did. Sometimes there's an employee, employer. Um, there's authority there. Uh, maybe that's a student to a teacher or a citizen to the government. You know, whatever it is, it's, uh, there's authority in, in life. And I heard, a, I heard a unique thought the other day that I'm still thinking about. You know, when, before, when we're talking about, it was in the context of government and authority that the, the, the civil authorities have. But government was, is God's idea. Government was, God, God ordained government for order but before the flood we don't have any record of any government do we there's no there's no record of any government so there was what 2000 years there of anarchy and it said that the when the people of the world had become very wicked extremely wicked there was no really no law it was just kind of everybody do what they want to do it became such a so chaotic And so terrible that God God, uh, wiped it clean and started over. But the governments that we know of happened after the flood. Now, there may have been some before that. We don't know that. But the governments that we know of happened after the Tower of Babel, after the languages split and all that. You know, they all went off in different ways doesn't mean that governments are Christian. It just means that that authority structure, God ordained that to keep order in the world. Sometimes church structure can feel under the yoke at times. Although we are laborers together in God's vineyard, sometimes we, at different times, we find ourselves. Maybe under a yoke. Although the yoke in church is a good thing. It connects us together in, in the sense like the balances, in the, in the pair of balances um, illustration. We are connected together. Because individuals all by themselves aren't, don't make a brotherhood. But when we're connected together, we are under the yoke voluntarily. But many times we chafe at authority. It feels restricting or tethering, something that we can't get out of. And our nature rebels at it. We want to break that connection and get away. But servants under the yoke, servants that take Christ's yoke also will take the yoke Of authority and submit to it, under it. Now, um, one reason is so that Christ's name is not blasphemed. Now, if we love Christ, we act like him. We submit to our, whatever the the yoke is around us, the, the authority around us. We submit to that. And it, it means submitting because we want to out of love, not because we have to out of force. Servants under the yoke to Christ um, give honor to... The, I'm going to call it the yoke of circumstances. Sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that we can't do anything about. But in those circumstances... We might be under civil authorities that, or civil laws that are annoying, or we might be under have some other circumstances that are in our way. But we and we can't change the circumstances. But as a servant that's under the yoke of Christ, we can we can control the attitude that we have towards that circumstance. We can control that attitude. With God's help. And we can give honor. To an inspector that's not very nice. Or we can give honor to. Maybe a boss that's not very nice. Or we can give honor to. A customer. Well customers are actually the boss of a. If you're doing work for somebody, they're all, they're actually on their project anyway. They are the um, they're actually the, the the one in charge. So there's you have that yoke to deal with for a bit. But we can control our attitude towards whatever circumstances are at, are that we are in, and we if we give honor to that. To our whatever the authority is. It gives honor to Christ. We call it maintaining a good witness. And it simply means that we are acting in a way that Christ could be pleased with. Even if we don't. Even if our nature rebels against it. So a person who is under authority can't control the authority that they're under. But they can control their attitudes towards it, and the honor they give to it. Now, one thing that Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, he talks about, there's a a word in there, it's it's called iniquity, but it means lawlessness. And lawlessness is simply the, the thought of throwing off that authority, throwing that off, getting out from under it, But Jesus says, because lawlessness, or because iniquity shall abound, means it's everywhere. The love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, voluntary submission is a beautiful thing. And God is well pleased with it. I didn't mean to spend so much time on it, but I was reading this chapter and I've honestly been reading it for a couple weeks and I just don't get very far sometimes. I just read it and read it. So it was a blessing to me, but voluntary submission is a beautiful thing and servants under the yoke give honor to their unbelieving masters. They give honor to their believing masters. They give honor to the unbelieving masters so that Christ is not blasphemed. And they give honor to the believing masters because they're both partakers of the same yoke. I mean, they're both under Christ's uh, authority. And then verse 3 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, which means that he has an inflated... Um, self worth and it also has the thought of enveloped with smoke so I don't know where the enveloped with smoke means except that he's proud and he knows nothing so a proud person that knows nothing sounds like a good idea for a teacher right? but he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words which Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. You know, these verses, those those verses contrast the godly response versus the carnal response. But, you know, the proud, the, the proud person that knows nothing, that word proud means to envelop with smoke, to inflate with self-conceit. And pride is something that we all probably are intimately familiar with or have been at some point, and we're not proud of it. Or maybe we are, but we shouldn't be. We need to... But pride... Sometimes... You, you, I may be somewhere and I see somebody doing something and I think, you know, I could do a better job than that. Have you ever thought that? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever thought that? I could do a better job than that. Doting. Doting about with questions. You know what that word doting means? It has the thought of to be sick, implying a diseased appetite. Do you ever know someone who had a diseased appetite? Somebody who's just hungering after something, after something, kind of unnaturally, just over and over and over? It's to hanker after or harp upon. It's like they're doting about with much questions. You've noticed people already who come around and they just love to argue and argue and argue. doesn't matter what you say, they just pick it apart and argue and argue and argue. Well... There's, God is the judge of all things, but those who are doting about much questions or who have a uh, desire, who are proud that know nothing, and just like to argue, uh, argue about questions and strifes of words, just argue with words and, and, um, and lots of debates, debates and questions, all just in kind of a, um, not in a good natured way, but more in a uh, antagonistic way. So out of that attitude comes envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings. That's imagining bad things about people. Um, railings would be where you're, yeah, you just talk really bad about someone and try to hurt them, hurt their reputation. There's perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds. So there's, yeah, you have that. You have people that are destitute of the truth. And then you have the people that suppose that gain is godliness. So if I if my business is doing well, God is blessing me. So I'm doing, I'm living right. You know, where in Arkansas, we used to say, or there was a saying that if your business is doing well, you must be living right. Or if it's not doing well, you're not paying the preacher enough. Well, where did that saying come from? I don't know. But it does has nothing to do with, with again, gain is not godliness. Although God does bless, sometimes things happen and things, God blesses something but he also, it might be more of a test than a blessing. Because with increased, increased goods comes increased accountability. With increased whatever comes increased responsibility. It's a test. And God is more concerned about how we live with what he's given us than by how much we have. I'm just going to read the next couple verses yet and then we'll, we'll, we'll stop. So we're supposed to withdraw ourselves from people that are proud and don't know anything and that dote about with questions. And they suppose that gain is godliness, we withdraw ourselves. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That means that we are content with what we have. It's great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, or raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow, run away from from the things that drown men in destruction and perdition, and follow after righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, meekness, follow after those things. And then fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. You know, when it talks about the love of money being the root of all evil... We focus on the love of money. But what is the love of money? What is it? If you condensed it down into, um, condensed it down, condensed it down as much as it could be, what would you, it, it would be what? Selfishness, right? Because if we desire to be rich, what are we desiring it for? Do we just love the look of $100 bills? We, we, they're so pretty and we just we just like to collect them or do we want the money so that we can um, buy things to make other people like us better? or we can buy things that we enjoy or we can it, it all we we don't like the the look and the color of it so much as we like what it does for us. And so it's it boils down into selfishness and we could say pride and it comes all the way around to getting out from under that yoke of Christ again it comes all the way around it's like breaking the it's like breaking the yoke here when we do that And it doesn't lead to laying hold on eternal life. And we didn't get all the way by saying that. You know, sometimes there are times when we are, when we have a responsibility with things. And that's at the end of the chapter. We'll probably I might get into that later at some at a later time and we might we may not. But the thing that I'd like to remember is that we take Christ's yoke upon us. We voluntarily submit ourselves under his authority. And and by we do that but then, it, then we need to keep doing it. We need to keep submitting. We need to keep on doing it. It's an ongoing thing. Or the devil keeps pushing things in. And, and um, before we know it, if we don't be proactive, we can be out from under that yoke again. And some of the devil's um, temptations can lure us to go chasing after other things. Or we can be the proud person that knows nothing so god bless you all and all of us in the battle that we face in taking that taking christ's yoke on us and then living that out let's let's stand for prayer our father We come before you this morning and we know that your yoke is easy compared to the yoke of bondage. But it's not a yoke that our flesh likes. And we just ask that you would work in our hearts, work in our lives, Lord. There's so many outworkings of that, that... that you show us as we go through life. Help us to be people after your heart that are willing to change direction if your spirit shows us things in our life. And help us to be connected to you and connected to those around us to voluntarily submit ourselves to one another Father we just ask that you would give us grace in our lives in our church here we pray for Brother Willie in the hospital and his family pray for Brother Dwight at home and his family as well for Sammy's and for those that are not here Anyone else that's not here today, Lord, would you heal according to your will? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.